Wonderful, wonderful to be back with everybody. We missed last week, but we're back better than ever. This week, because we missed, will be a double-length feature. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to go double-length. I would never do that to you. We're going to continue our discussion. We're still in sort of the intro to the actual text we're going to be studying. We still have a bit more intro territory that I'd like to cover. Um, we're beginning to uh, dip our feet, dip our, dip our toes into the into the, the the shallow end of the pool. It's a very deep pool, but we're going to walk our way in slowly, do a lot of a lot of intro work to wrap our minds around new ideas, get comfortable with them, get familiar with them, and then start to dive in deeper and deeper. So last time we talked about how there's a concept, a very fundamental concept in Jewish spirituality, Jewish mysticism called Klippa. Klippa, just a little recap for those who may have not have been here last time or didn't hear the last episode. Klippa in Hebrew, still a word that's used today. It means peel or shell. Um, why is a peel a major theological concept? Because everything in the world has the, the reality of its externality, the surface superficial reality, and the true reality that's beneath that. Hashem created the world in such a way that everything that we encounter can be perceived either superficially or deeply. And the superficial reality of things is called Kalipa. And it's a it's a form and it's a level of reality that obscures the truth of everything. And pretty much everything has some degree of Kalipa, um, with the exception of things that are overtly holy. So, for example, a, uh, a mezuzah, you wouldn't say has uh, much klipa because a mezuzah is overtly uh, a mitzvah. It's it, That's exactly how it presents. You can't look at it and think anything else other than, well, this is a holy object. It's a mitzvah. It's a Jewish ritual. It's very obvious and clear that it's a connection to God. But anything that's not a mitzvah, anything that's not overtly holy, will fall under various degrees, various levels there are a few sort of points on the spectrum of how bad the cover-up can get, right? Some things appear as kind of neutral. Some things appear as really challenging God and anti-God and evil. And that's also a very deep form of klipa and, and corruption. And you can get really very deeply in. We didn't go that detailed into the discussion of klipa, but just to understand that everything in the world um, aside from things that are over, that are overtly holy and obviously spiritual and godly, um, is going to present as something that has nothing to do with God. It will not show us and not give us any indication that it has a connection to God. And and it's up to us to develop the sensitivity and develop the skill to see through that superficiality. And we gave some examples of how we're wired by nature to see things in such a way, and it is it is a natural default position. No one should kid themselves and think that oh, only the most uh, materialistic, you know, narcissistic people see things from a clipper perspective. And me, I'm a good guy. I see things for the truth on a deeper level right away. No, don't don't delude yourself. Everybody is born with a default perspective of of clipper of of superficiality. Racism, it's pretty natural to human beings. You have to work to overcome it. Um, being drawn to celebrities, um, 
the idea of, of junk food being an easier choice, fast food being, being an easier choice than, than standing and cooking your own healthy dinner. All of marketing is predicated on the superficiality of things. Um, even credit cards versus debit cards. You know, I think you once uh, were involved in uh, getting people to sign up for debt for credit cards, if memory serves. Yes, and, sir. And, um, you know, the, the appeal of a credit card is that you don't realize you're spending money. It doesn't go out of your account. So it's all a superficiality. It's a cover-up. It's not, it's not the actual truth. A debit card would be an example of uh, a, a true, quote-unquote, a true transaction in a way. So that was a discussion last time. We talked about that, and we, we, we discussed how it's basically our job to, to work on fine-tuning our, our ability to, to not get sucked in the superficiality of things, and that's the essence of, of the Jewish spiritual mystical lifestyle. Now, I want to take this a little bit further today because on paper, it sounds very simple. On paper, there's uh, a true reality beneath the surface. Um, there's a superficial, superficial reality at the surface. Your job is to go deeper. Fine, very good. It's not that simple in practice, as we all know. It's a daily battle. It's a daily struggle. The Alter Rebbe, the founder of Chabad, said... Not only is it a daily struggle, this is actually the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to go through this rewiring, to go through this process where you're constantly challenging yourself. And, you know, we don't, some, if, you try to, if you try to do this, you'll start to realize how, how deep the, the, the delusion is, how, how natural we are, how naturally superficial we are um and i don't think it's anything uh shameful to admit that that's a default that, again that's that's normal for every person you don't want to be delusional here um, but this is what it really means to live with faith we're going to live with faith we believe that god exists that's nothing that's no, nothing but that's not that's not it Lots of people believe God exists. He's out there somewhere, I think. When I'm really in a tight spot, I pray to God. But living with faith means you're, you're, you're constantly engaged in this struggle to, to see the truth of reality in every single moment of life. There's no uh, compartmentalization here because it affects all of reality. So all of reality is your playground to, to see deeper. It's not a matter of being in shul. It's not a matter of whether, whether you're praying now or not praying now. Whatever you're doing right now, you you're always have these two paths in front of you. You know, we can just keep it simple. Go down the peel path or the fruit path. Right? No matter what's going on. In every, every interaction, every relationship, every thought that goes through your mind, whatever it is. Um... So all of your life, really, your entire life is one big exercise in, in paying attention and, and waking up and try to see things from a deeper, more truthful perspective. Um, there's an old saying in Chabad that, what is a chassid? Chassid is someone who takes the ideas from paper and makes it part of his flesh and blood. 
there's no there's no virtue in pretending that the ideas on paper are just automatically synced into your life into your lifestyle with the press of a button. Your iPhone and your computer can, can communicate that way. The ideas of the Torah and the ideas of Hasidus, these deep spiritual ideas, and your lifestyle as a human being start off and they're very far apart. And, and it would be a lie, again, to say that this is just a walk in the park. We just slip right in. No. There's resistance. It's difficult. It's not how we're wired. A lot of things to overcome. I actually had a conversation, believe it or not, with a student last week. They asked me, how did they word the question? It was about human nature. So remember, I don't want to put words in their mouth. I'm going to paraphrase, but it was basically was at the end of a class and the, the student asked me, you know, what you're saying basically requires more than what is human nature. Like, none of this is human nature. I said, yeah. I know. And then they said, but so, so, so how is it? How, what do you mean? It's not human nature. That. They were stuck on that. They were like, what do you mean? How, how, how could this be expected of people? And, you know, I have to explain that, yeah, you're capable of more than human nature. It would be a very, very sad way of living if you only did what came naturally to you. I told them at the time, um, you know, it's human nature to be naked and dirty. Every time you take a shower and get dressed, you're doing something that is beyond human nature. I mean, you've been conditioned to it, so now it feels natural. But in essence, it's not natural. Your natural position is dirty and naked. And I appreciate that you're not going with the natural default position there. We all appreciate it. Keep it up. But let's agree. Let's realize that that's... That fact that the simple fact that we bathe and bathe and get dressed is an example of us transcending and going beyond what is natural to something that is ideal. So we can do it for for showering and getting dressed. We can also do it for our character development. We can do it for our for our attitude in life, for our you know managing our moods, you know our thoughts, the way we live, our whole worldview. Of course, of course, we can do something that is not natural. What's the perp what's the point of life if, if all we, we all we can do is become naturally? So none of this is natural, but at the same time, none of this is pie in the sky either. So we're gonna take the ideas from paper and we're gonna make it part of our flesh and blood. For that you need honesty. For that you also need some persistence and determination. Anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. But the goal, the goal of what we're going to be learning through this whole course and series of classes is the goal of Hasid is to train us in, in seeing God's energy everywhere and to feel a connection with him as a result. Those two things are, are related. If you can train yourself to see God's energy everywhere, you'll start to be able to feel a connection with God. And we need the training because, again, we don't naturally see and think this way. There's an old saying how the believer believer must explain how bad things happen to good people. The atheist must explain everything else. 
So as we work through this process here and everything gets redefined and better defined and defined more in line with the truth of its existence, we're also going to be able to redefine the question of bad things happening to good people, which is going to be a topic that comes up later in this in this study. But without going into such dark places, a more common example of the difference between the, the peel reality and the fruit reality is seen in our attitude to our money and our work. Everyone needs money. Uh, most everybody needs to work, some exceptions. And the peel reality says, it's a doggy dog world. Um, if you don't do it to them, they'll do it to you. And there's never enough money. You always need more. And every bill triggers anxiety. Somebody else is successful. It, it, it gnaws at you. It bothers you. It, it, it perturbs you. Makes you uneasy. That's all in the peel reality. Fruit reality, from that perspective, it's Hashem provides for billions of people in this world. He can provide for me too. Ultimately, he's the one in charge. We say in benching, um, what does that mean? He provides, he sustains the world with his goodness, with his kindness, with grace, with mercy. Everybody gets what they need. So you can get what you need too. And if you don't have it, you might not need it. And you go to work because you, 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 your job helps God. That he doesn't need to throw bread from heaven at you like he did in the desert. He doesn't have to pull miracles out of a hat to keep you alive. Which is his preference. His preference is that you don't force his hand, so to speak, and require miracles. But that you go to work. So there's a natural... Um, a natural uh, vehicle for God to send you the miracles, to send you the sustenance, to send you what you need. And these are the two realities at work when it comes to money and money and, and careers. Peel reality, full of anxiety, full of worry. Fruit reality, pretty calm. Fruit reality doesn't mean you don't go to work. Fruit reality doesn't mean you don't have a budget. Fruit reality doesn't mean you're irresponsible. Don't get me wrong. The fruit reality doesn't mean eh, God will provide. You know the old story of the guy, the, the father-in-law, prospective father-in-law is meeting up with this guy who's about to get engaged to his daughter and he asks him, what's your plans for uh, supporting my daughter? Eh, God will provide. How are you going to buy a house? God will provide. What about children? God will provide. They finish the meeting. His wife asks him, what do you think about the boy? So he's a very nice boy. He thinks I'm God. And that's not that's not what we mean over here with uh, the calm of, of trusting in God. You have to do your part to be responsible. But there's a calm there where, where, where all the uncertainties and all the unknowns of the future are put in God's hands. And what we know about and what we control, that we take care of. We do our part. And the rest we leave to God. So uh, someone with a fruit reality. That, yeah. Huh? yeah, that was great, Moishi. We truly enjoyed that. What? That anecdote. Which you had anecdote? us laughing. I'm sorry, Just which anecdote? Oh, the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. 
Good, good. Um, I hope you're just laughing as outsiders, not from experience. To be discussed on next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, it takes work. Uh, by, by default, we are all, pretty much, I think, we're all at the level of, oh my God, I need money. Oh my God, I got an invoice. Oh my God, uh, the market's crashing. Oh, no, 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 no. There's always some bad news, always something to freak you out when it comes to money. So being freaked out about money, again, it's not evil, it's not a failure, just a natural default position. That's the normal. It's human nature. We're talking about here ways that we can move past that and, and rise above it and grow to a, a higher level of consciousness where we're not captive by the normal anxieties of making a living that plague most normal human beings in the world. That's just the baseline. We're trying to get past the baseline. So, you know, if I get a question and somebody feels guilty that they're still, um, you know, feeling anxious about money, you're missing the point. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about that. That's that the default. That's normal. We're trying to move to a higher state. That's all. So once we understand that this is our natural starting position, and this is the default human nature, to be at that peel perspective of reality, seeing everything superficially and not seeing the connection to God and feeling disconnected, um, it helps us understand how much eye covering we find in Jewish tradition. You think about it. And especially at moments of deep spiritual connection, we have a few indications in our tradition, in the Torah, of eyes being closed especially when there's a deep spiritual connection. For example, when Yitzchak, a.k.a. Isaac, of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob fame, wanted to bless one of his children with major, major blessings, Torah makes it clear that he couldn't see who he was blessing. He was blind. But the Torah points out very clearly that as he was going to proceed with these blessings, he was blind. He couldn't see who he was giving these major blessings to Another example we have in our tradition that at a wedding, bride is veiled. And in many communities with an opaque veil, she actually can't see what's happening. When, when women light Shabbat candles, what do they do? They cover their eyes. And last but not least, we say the Shema, the deepest, deepest declaration of faith. We say Shema, we cover our eyes. And all this is because human nature is that the way we see the world, if we open our eyes and look at the world, it doesn't jive. It doesn't align with our deepest faith. It's a contradiction. So it's confusing. So what do you do? Your, your mind will explode. So you just cover your eyes, you disconnect from reality, and you go higher. And you go higher. I mean, you could see that even uh, use a more mundane example. A musician who's really feeling the music. Very often, they just close their eyes. Uh, keep your eyes open. What's the matter? Why do you have to close your eyes? It's good music. Yeah, it's not just good music. They're, they're feeling something. They're having a spiritual experience. And and their their physical, visual perception is a distraction from the spiritual experience. They're at odds.
But again, that's only the way things are at the outset, at the default. It's not the goal. This is not the ideal state. The ideal state is not that you need to close your eyes to see spirituality. That's the, that's only when you're you're still sort of in your human nature mode and you're trying to reach for something and you're so far apart you have to like cut yourself off, you know, shut your eyes and just fly away. Our goal is that we want to integrate and reach a point where it's not so far apart. Our default, our, our actual humanity and the deepest truths, the deepest beliefs that we have are not far apart at all because we've come closer. We've trained ourselves to actually be there. There's not such a big gap, not, not much dissonance between who we are and what we believe, how we live, and what's true. At the beginning, there's there's a lot of space. It's a, it's a far gap. But we want to get to a position where the gap is pretty small and the gap is non-existent. So with that in mind, we start to understand something that was a little bit cryptic. The Rebbe spoke um, in the late 80s, early 90s, about the need for us to open our eyes, particularly the early 90s. It's a theme that I've mentioned many, many times. We, uh, we need to open our eyes and see that the world is ready for redemption. The world is ready for Mashiach. I mean, open your eyes. My eyes aren't closed. What does it mean to open my eyes? How can I see? It, it was just like a lot of people were just didn't know what it meant. It took a while for people to get it. Sometimes that happens when somebody who is at a, at a very advanced level says something to you and you know, it flies right over your head. So if you're a fool, you say ridiculous, meaningless statement. If you're a little bit smart, you say, clearly I have a lot of work to do. And you try to understand. But I think one of the ways to understand what the Rebbe was saying is that he was telling us we're at a stage where... It's time to move past closing our eyes to see the truth. You don't need to, to, to close your eyes and escape reality to see the truth. We need to see the truth with eyes wide open, so to speak. We're, we're at a stage where it's time for a full integration of the deepest truths of godliness, at the same time bridging it into our normal, everyday material reality. You got to do laundry today. Laundry day, man. There's no socks in the drawer. It's laundry day. Yeah. But you can go approach laundry day with, with this in mind and not have that be a distraction, not have it take, it away, take you away from there. You can be zoned in, you can be vibing, and you're folding socks. Not a contradiction. And, and so on and so forth in many, many ways. And that's what it means to open your eyes. Till now, Maybe we were at a stage where in order to feel something spiritual, in order to connect to God, it was so at odds with our experience, with the human experience, we had to close our eyes. It's the only way. Keep your eyes open, you'll be too locked in to the humanity, to the materialism. You won't be able to connect to God. It's, it's, it's too hard. But now, we're at a stage where it's time to open our eyes. We, we've worked through enough 
opposition historically over time, over years, over centuries. We made a dent. We made a dent in reality. We made a dent in human nature. We made a dent in society. These, these ideas are not so crazy anymore. And now that Apple has released Vision Pro, it's a whole nother ballgame. Because Vision Pro is a, is a great analogy for everything holy and spiritual. It's not even an analogy. It's a spiritual experience with your eyes wide open. But obviously that's just technology and it's just for... Uh, for fun and for cool things and for scoring points while vacuuming. But the idea that you can have a depth, a depth of perception with your eyes wide open, you know, we thank the engineers at Apple and, uh, and, and it gives us a great sort of just something to hold on to, uh, uh, something tangible, something relatable to hold on to and say, wow, there is a way we're looking at the very same reality. With the guy with the with the with the goggles on, without the goggles, looking at the same reality, one guy sees a whole layer of depth, the other guy just sees a floor. It's just a floor. There's nothing else. And uh, and and that idea really is the difference between the the peel reality and the and the fruit reality. Either you're wearing the goggles or you're not. And it's time to do it with our eyes wide open. And and one more point about this is that. This is also how we can see a connection to this week's Torah portion. Um, I know that when the rabbi says this week's Torah portion, it's usually the international Jewish symbol to take a nap, but bear with me. Last week was Yitro. Parsha was Yitro last week, and it talked about the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. This week, the Parsha, the name of the Parsha is Mishpatim, and Mishpatim talks all about the civil laws. Almost, almost entirely. A little bit at the end goes back to some of the, the drama of, of Mount Sinai, but mostly it's it's civil law. Very down-to-earth stuff. So how do you go from one Pasha being about the most heavenly revelations, the next Pasha being about the most down-to-earth things of what happens when your cow damages my fence and so on? Um, the, the answer is that that's exactly the model of Judaism. The model of Judaism is we start with some some great insight, but we then try our best to integrate it into the human reality. When God gave us the Torah, Talmud says it was such an overwhelming experience that blew our mind and it blew our souls. Literally, our souls left our bodies. The Jews at the time passed away. Circuits were blown. They had to be revived, they had to be resurrected on the spot. When they came to, they begged Moses. They said, Moses, please, 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 we can't handle this. You talk to God and then pass it on to us. You be sort of the transformer. Right? You'll get the signal and you'll switch it into something that we can handle. And, and that was the goal because that way they could actually absorb it. There's no point. The point is not to have the most amazing revelation and, and have it override your, your reality. The point is that it should integrate in your reality. And Ultimately, it's it's both at the same time, the highest revelation and full integration. At that time, they need to tone down the revelation so they can build up the capacity. And we're getting closer and closer to the time where we can be the best of both worlds. The highest revelation, no modulation, and we're capable of, of absorbing it and becomes a part of us. That's what Mishpatim signifies. It signifies the things that make sense to human beings. Civil law all 
is very logical. There's no, you don't need great faith uh, to, to accept basic civil laws, torts and damages and whatever. And it's it's the sort of the, the pinnacle of religious experience that human intellect, human experience actually embraces and, and accepts and internalizes God's ideas and, and God's revelations and, and expressions become a part of us. And that's the journey we're on here. The journey we're on here is we understand our starting point. We understand we are nothing but dust and ashes, but we're capable of, of so much more. We're capable of a lot more. And the study here is going to train us and, and raise our level of consciousness, help us to appreciate what's out there, help us to appreciate um, the truth of all of reality. And hopefully we'll be able to train ourselves to see beyond the peel and connect with the fruit of reality. Any questions, comments, rebuttals? We've thoroughly enjoyed thus far. That's good. Because that's all she wrote for tonight. We miss a week and then we get shortchanged the following week. <laughs> um, I did not prepare a lot more material than this. That's fair. This was lovely and it's a nice welcome back into uh, into the swing of things. This has been Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say that I want to leave you, let me leave you with some, uh, with a challenge, some homework. Okay. Some people, okay, not knowing exactly who's in the audience. So there's a, there's a couple of points of the homework. Some people need to train themselves to understand who they are as human beings, to, to accept that they're not angels. Some people are, they have such a, it's, I'm not saying this in a, in a mocking way, but, but some people have such a, a craving for spirituality that they detach from their humanity, they detach from their weaknesses, and they pretend they don't exist. And that's not healthy, and it's not sustainable. So for such a person, they need, they need to just take a moment and, you know, take a deep breath and say, I'm a human being, I have flaws, I have weaknesses, let's not pretend they're not there, let's accept that that's what God gave me, now let's accept that he also gave me the ability to overcome and train and work through it and find ways to improve, but not by ignoring and not by suppressing and not by being in denial. So that's also part of spiritual work, to not be delusional. It's a very big part of spiritual work. So for someone like that, that's your homework. For someone who doesn't have that problem, your, your challenge might be the opposite. To, to believe that you're possible, that to believe that you're capable of more, to believe that you can actually, you know, not just do the same thing all over again and you've gotten burned so you don't even want to try again, but no, with, with patience and slow, methodical work, you can develop your sensitivity, you can develop your capacity for spiritual connection, for spiritual awareness, you can have the Apple Vision Pro spiritual goggles and see a deeper reality in things. It doesn't mean you're going to become, you know, uh, a drugged out hippie. It just means you'll have more calm, more self-control, more gratitude, more love. Um, and you'll, you'll be more a more flexible person. 
it's all be, it's all rooted in um you know growing out of your your human nature state your natural position of of self-absorption seeing things at the peel level and developing the skill developing the ability to see things at, at the fruit level in other words seeing the spirituality in things seeing the purpose in things understanding that just because you have an understanding and a and a a perspective on on reality that isn't necessarily the ultimate objective truth of reality there, there's more to reality than what you think and 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 how you process things you're a smart guy you you have a way of understanding you have a way of processing that's fine there's more to the picture you're not the be-all and end-all you're not the center of the universe there are things that you miss there are things that you're blind to a little humility a little openness and you can learn and you can grow so try you know just to to, to be open to that and to, to to try to find opportunities try to see where you can challenge yourself where you can push back on the the narrative that you tell yourself always in your head one way or the other either the narrative that you tell yourself that you're so spiritual that you have no issues and you're you're you know living a very deep life and you don't know what the rabbi is talking about when he talks about people who are naturally wired to see things from the peel reality push back on that narrative a little bit and if the narrative is is more cynical and and uh, you don't want to take the chance of growing, push back on that narrative also. And and try to catch yourself throughout the week till next class. Try to catch yourself where you might be believing your own propaganda a little too much, one way or the other. Drinking your own Kool Aid. You know, neither neither extreme is good. To be to be delusional about how holy you are, or to be so cynical that you don't believe in growth. They're both two sides of the same coin of, of extremism, and they're both uh, not great attitudes for, for this kind of journey. So try that on for size. Hopefully that will give everybody who's listening some sense of uh, direction of, of personal work, some homework here. And as always, I'm available if you want to talk to your coach a little bit. Nothing gives me more pleasure than somebody reaching out with some feedback um questions or comments or just wanting to work through and discuss some of the issues that we bring up in these classes by all means feel free to reach out if you don't have my contact number you can email me rmg at jewishwaterloo.com you have my contact number and you don't reach out to me shame on you and i look forward to seeing you and hearing you um hearing from you um in the week ahead and in the coming episodes, the coming classes. Thank you all for joining. Take care.